Hello everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Baby Bed Podcast. Now, of course, we're sitting on the cusp of a very big thing in our country. Everyone's talking about it, the elections, 2019 general elections. Now, since this is the case right now in our current situation, I thought I'll talk about something relevant, which will affect all of you. So in today's episode, I'll be talking about the genetic structure of the gorilla's testicles. That's right, because that applies to all of us, isn't that cool so enjoy this episode because it's all about the testes <laughs> the baby bed podcast with sunday pro baby check it out Hello, welcome to the episode. As I told you earlier, it's going to be a very testicular and testing time for all of us. Don't worry, I'm not going to harp on about gorilla's testicles because I don't know much about the gorilla's testes, those giant... But I'll talk about something which is going to affect all of us. That is the result of the election tomorrow, the 18th of April, 2019. Everyone's got their panties in a budge, their lungotes in a grind and their briefs in a wind. Now, of course, many people refer to India as the largest democracy in the world. And everyone's talking about it because the result of this election will have an impact on the global market. Now, I will not pretend to be one of those political pundits who never get laid and come on every news show. So what I think is that Modi's uh, plan after demonetization was very, very uh, ineffective and very against the common man. I feel that religious, uh, you know, sect, uh, sectarian violence is very, very unrequired for this nation of ours. We have been a progressive mindset for the past 70 years. And it just goes on and on and on. If you're that much of a pundit, why the fuck aren't you standing for elections, you stupid cunt? Is what I believe. But having said that, we might be one of the largest democracies in the world, but I believe personally that we are one of the most uninformed democracies in the world. Well... You might be going, how dare you say that, you bastard. We read up on who, what's that thing called? Scoop poop, scoop poop and uh, hootsuite and all these things about, you know, the articles that influence our opinion while voting. Yeah, you and I might know a little bit. Uh, also, what we know is coming with a lot of bias from the various media sources. There is a huge uh, pro-Modi and anti-Modi uh, movement going on. It's almost like it's the pro-Modi's voting against the anti-Modis. The other parties and the other candidates don't really have a say. Like, no one even talks about it anymore. It's like, yeah, but Modi, I can't stand him. I'm not going to vote for him. Modi, I love him. I'm going to vote for him. So it's pretty much become one of those situations where it's the last candidate on The Bachelor, the last girl. Everyone hates her, but some people love her. But at the end of the day, The Bachelor has to make his choice. So who in this situation is The Bachelor? Now, when I call ourselves an uninformed democracy, I don't mean you, the listener right now, or maybe even your extended circle or people you might know in life. I'm talking about how elections in India right now are swung by the majority of the populace, which, of course, doesn't live in urban India. They are rural uh, residents, they're farmers, they're people whose votes are bought. Now, of course, there are farmers who have a stake in this election because there are a lot of policies that affect them on the larger scale of the longer run. Having said that, they are desperate and they are manipulated by our politicians. Because politics is not the 
crime game, not the ideal game, and democracy is not what it was. And of course, from day one, democracy was not um, practiced the way it was implemented or the way it was developed as an ideology. Um, I know a little bit about this. I'll tell you why. But let me just finish this point about the farmers because... I don't know, man. Every year at the last state election, I remember my cook coming and telling me, you know, Anna, they came and gave me 500 from this party. They gave me 1,000 from the other party. This one gave me a pressure cooker. And the smart lady took everything and voted for none of them. So I like that. But uh, how much ever in the urban landscape you might be an informed voter and you are entitled to your opinions and you go to the voting booth to vote for that particular candidate who will later represent in the uh, national level. There are so many more people there for every one of you. There are about 100 people who are being manipulated and being told who to vote for either through money or booze or through various other things. And I've heard this year it's uh, a lot better. Apparently the bribing level is down and not many people are being paid for the vote. But uh, politics is that kind of game where it isn't what you see. It isn't what um, matters on the policy level. I don't think the cleanest candidate or the most qualified candidate always wins. It's the most uh, divisive candidate and the most manipulating candidate who wins. Um, I'll give you a bit of a background. You know, in school, when I was in my 11th and 12th ISC, I was never a politically uh, motivated individual. I was not uh, very well informed or not even driven politically to, um, you know, see change in our country. But um, I was uh, very impressed by my school teacher, Mr. Satish Jairajan, back in Malayaditi, who uh, I had to slip that one in there, who got me into this whole thing of the social sciences, you know. Uh, I took up political science, never imagining even that I'll, you know, take it on past school. So then we were introduced to the various concepts of Aristotle and Rousseau and Thomas Hobbes and all these various uh, political commentators from back in the day. And uh, the way he taught it was very engaging because it was very debate-oriented. It was very um, sort of you kind of come up with your own theory as to why you believe this particular system of governance will work or it won't. So that was a starting point where I believed that I might have some interest in politics and therefore I, you know, thought the next natural progression is to take up a career in law because my granddad, my father's father, was a senior advocate in the high court. I figured, you know, I can pull some strings. <laughs> now, I actually wrote the national law school exam and got a rank, which I don't even think fit on that board. And then actually, um, I was a little disheartened because only the top 60 are taken in and it's one of the most prestigious schools in the country, National Law School, Bangalore. But in the meanwhile, uh, we did uh, get some uh, contracts established and I did get into this other university called the Indian, uh, no, University Law College, Bangalore. That's the one. And I went and met the principal. He's like, your seat is guaranteed. Your seat was guaranteed when you were born, son, as a result of being to Krishna Rao's grandson. And I was like, wow. And then I said, sir, I'm visually impaired. Will I get assistance for this course? And he said, no problem. I will give you a scribbler. I said, what the fuck is scribbler? And apparently he meant a scribe. So that was an eye-opener, to say the least. I was like, okay, so if this principal of this college is going to call it a scribbler, my next five years are going to be a little traumatic. So that was the beginning and the end of my law dreams. But in the meanwhile, I did go abroad. I applied to university in the UK in fact, got into university in the US, but couldn't go there immediately because my visa got rejected multiple times. 
but in the media, then, you know, whatever, the UK thing happened, University of Wales in Swansea, took up a course in international relations, political science, and a minor in economics. And the courses in the first semester were War and Peace, part one. Uh, watching them, watching us was another one. And that was about governance. How do we hold our uh, people in governance uh, responsible for their actions? That was the course. And uh, I forget what the third one was. It was something along those lines. And uh, international relations is a lot about diplomacy. And so I figured doing a course in political science in the UK and then later when I transferred to the US, it was a very localized um, point of view because all of it was talking about the history of the, Th of the Thatcher government, uh, what the Tories were doing, what the other uh, opposition was doing. And I was like, dude, none of this is going to apply to India. I don't even know where the Congress and the BJP and the other parties uh, feature in this. And typically in the US, when I went there, it was about the Senate, about the Congress, about the House of Representatives, about the Liberals, the Democrats. And I was like, how am I going to apply any of this? So therefore, the underlying idea of diplomacy through international relations was an idea which I thought I can explore, get into policy, get into the think tanks and become one of those political cunt pundits who, who come on every show like, yeah, the same accent for every political pundit, guys. Yeah, so what happened with the Bay of Pigs and the Cuban Missile Crisis? I don't know why every political pundit slash uncle slash a news reporter all sound like my Kanadega uncle like yeah the problem everybody is that uh, democracy is a crazy demo hmm. a democracy that's why the word demo which means a demonstrate uh, and obviously demonstrations don't always work anyway I digress but um, yeah I didn't uh, really pursue a, 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 a life in political science or um, international relations do I have respect for people in politics? Some of them, of course, because uh, many of them are educated. Many of them have um, ideals. Many of them have dreams. And many of them have uh, underlying principles which are quite moral. But the system doesn't suit them. Now, if you ask me, is Modi a good guy or a bad guy? I don't know. I don't know him personally. Now, of course, many people are split down the middle about this because they keep bringing up the Godra situation and what he did there or what he didn't do, rather and his various other ties with the Adanis, with the Ambanis. I don't know because uh, this is a quote that I live by and this is one of my professors in, in the US told me. His name was uh, Professor Barry Tucker, black dude who's seen the civil rights movement, who uh, was a part of the Black Panthers, who actually met Malcolm X and he was a party animal. He was, I think, maybe in his 60s when he was teaching us. He used to smoke, he used to like drink and he's like, God damn God, I don't understand, we have class. Your class is coming in the way of me going down to the pub and getting myself a beer. Went down to the pub and got myself a beer. Anyway, the reason I brought him up is because he told me a very valuable thing. He's like, son, you want to get into politics? I said, eventually, it's a possibility. He said, let me tell you one thing, son. If you can change it, don't bother about it. And I was like, but isn't that apathy? Isn't that something? A route which is, is kind of futile because I'll just keep complaining. He's like, nah, you're not getting my point, brown boy. If you can't change it, don't bother about it. I was like, you're just saying the same thing, <laughs> Barry. Now, I think what he meant was that a lot of these things are not in our hands. Yes, you have the power of a vote. You can go tomorrow on the 18th, press that button and hope for the best. You can pray that some... Somewhere, 
that there is a general consensus that agrees with you. But the power of a single vote is kind of exaggerated right now. Everyone's saying, your vote counts. Of course, don't let it go to waste because it will be taken by someone else. But will that one vote add up to millions and therefore represent the masses and the general consent of the country? No. We've seen over and over again with the US, with India, it doesn't always do that. It doesn't uh, always represent the people. And that's where I think democracy is flawed. I'll give you an example. <laughs> this is actually a pretty weird thing. So the last uh, elections, uh, I'd gone with my mum to the school close by, which had the voting booth. So I asked my mum, she's a big Modi fan, right? She's like, you have to vote for Modi. I'm like, ma, I'm an educated man. I want to know my options. You know, I, I don't know who I'm going to vote for. That's the idea of the secret ballot. I want to know what my options are. And I would like to at least think it through before pressing that button. She said, okay, okay, I know you're one of these typical idiots who I sent abroad and now you come back with an opinion. Fucking idiot, because parents don't like kids with an opinion. I mean, they do, as long as it doesn't bother their opinion or interferes with their ideas. <laughs> so she took me to the voting booth. I said, ma, what are my options? And she's like, see, there are three rows. There are two rows with five buttons each or four buttons each. Um, there are various symbols. You won't be able to see them. I'm like, that, that's a bit presumptuous. She's like, no, you won't be able to see them. I said, okay, I like your confidence, ma. And then uh, I said, okay, so what are the various symbols? And she's like, see, you can't see them. And just remember, none of them are working except the top left. I said, what the fuck? They can't have a broken machine. Let's go inform the guy that the machine is broken. No, 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 no. Don't ever tell him that. Come on, Sandeep. We can't. They're busy men trying to run a voting booth. You can't go tell them. I'm like, okay, I'll use the other booth. Then give me the. She's like, no, no, just have to go to this one, top left. I was like, what the hell? So then I went and pressed the top left. And my mom manipulated me into voting for Modi. And um, I don't know. I don't know if it was the right thing. And of course, many people right now listening are going, "You bastard! You fucking spineless cunt!" Probably, but um, I don't think if I had abstained from voting or pressed the thing, it would have made a difference last time because that was quite um, uh, a land. Uh, what, do you, what am I looking for? Um, I'm going to say a land. What's going to say land? Landmine victory, not landmine. Uh, I can't get the word. I have woken up a few hours back and. Uh, Shit, I can't get the word. Now it's bothering me. But anyway, uh, fuck, I can't get it. Okay, uh, sweep. It was a clear sweep. Okay, let's go for a clear sweep, Sandeep, since your vocab is kind of fucked this morning. Oh, but uh, what else do I have to say about politics? Never really pursued a career in politics. I never really pursued a career in diplomacy or international relations. But strangely enough, once uh, this happened, I was on a flight to Delhi. It was the last flight out. And I was in the front row and in the middle seat and on either side these two gentlemen in suits came and sat down next to me and um, you know one guy immediately put on his headphones got his documents out and started working the guy on the right little older guy forget his name right now and he's like hello son what are you doing here and why the cane and I got into my story and I'm like what do you do sir he said I'm heading the chamber of commerce and we just had a meeting and the gentleman on your left please meet him his name is um, Mr. Richard Varma and I was like, oh, hi, Richard. Nice to meet you. And this guy's like, hello, my name is Richard Varma. I'm the U.S. ambassador to India. And I was like, whoa! I mean, I don't know why I was excited. Not like he was like jerking me off or anything, but I was very excited. And so I asked him various things. And my first question to him was quite stupid. Because uh, he asked me, what do you do? I said, I'm a stand-up comedian. He's like, here's my card. Call up the embassy. We might be able to sort out a show. I'm like, son of a bitch. Yes, perform for the U.S. embassy in Delhi. Then I asked him this question. I said, okay, you've got one question. I got one question as well, sir. What's the difference between a consulate and an embassy? 
Aha, you thought it's a stupid question? No, apparently not, because an embassy is uh, got all sorts of other things going on in it. An embassy has a consulate, it's got a military presence, it's got a various number of offices, but a consulate only has the power to grant visas. Did you know that now, you fucking guys who thought my question was stupid? Ah, I mean, Richard Verma's like, that was a pretty smart question for a guy who's like a comedian. Ha <laughs> ha! Yeah, so that was my experience meeting the U.S. ambassador. He got, I think he's done after Mr. Trump came into power. <laughs> Richard Varma. I actually met another guy a long time back who had nothing to do with politics, but he had a very interesting name. He was half Punjabi and he was half Irish and his parents had named him Jameson Sharma. How fucking amazing is that, right? I like those parents. Like, let's go with the Sharma. I, pr- I would probably prefer Jameson Gupta or Guinness Gupta. There would have been a good Irish Punjabi name. Guinness Gupta. This is my son, Guinness Gupta. And this is my daughter who doesn't wax down there. Her name, <laughs> her name is Bushmills. <laughs> Bushmills Bhatia. <laughs> I have to go down the path of unshaped pubes. And that's where I will end today's episode. If you are voting, do it because you want to. Don't get manipulated. And go press that button, get that ink, and uh, let me know what you thought about the entire process, if it's your first time, if it's your multiple times. Good you're doing it, because I suppose at some point it does matter, and there are many places in the world where people don't have the right to vote. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. I'll be back next week with a brand new episode of the Baby Bed Podcast. I have been Sandeep Rao, so thank you for listening, and do let me know your thoughts. The Baby Bed Podcast, every Wednesday. Hey, thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you like what you heard, please do check out the other episodes on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast. And I would much appreciate it if you could like the video, share it with people who you think might enjoy it. And of course, do subscribe to the channel because it will help me and the podcast grow and reach more people just like you. So thanks again. Appreciate it.